Hey, if you, uh, if you have your notes, go ahead and uh, pull them out. We are in uh, part four of a series we're calling People of the Way. Um, if you got some notes, wave them at me. Let me see. Everybody in here? Come on. There we go. Uh, hey, if you're joining us online, thanks again for being here. I, you know, one of the cool things about yesterday, though, was also I had countless people come up to me and go, we watched the service. And, uh, and, I, and I was just taken back about, first off, how many people were doing it, how many people have been watching uh, our services and so my response to them was, that's amazing. Come in person. It's even better. Um, and they were just like, thank you so much for being able to offer this. Uh, I talked to a guy at the fire, fire station. That's, they were there yesterday, and he works for the fire department. He said, I just want you to know my wife and I watched the whole Red Flag series. And uh, thank you for stepping on all of our toes. And I said, you're welcome. Um, this is a part of what we do. So um, you just don't realize how big of a reach that God's given us. And so for those who are online, thank you so much for being a part. You are a part of our OSC family. Um, and we want you to feel that way, but we'd love for you to have you in. We're in this series called People of the Way. We've been looking at this idea of what does it really mean to be followers of Christ? What does it mean to be a disciple? It's just another term for disciple or Christian. Back in the day, they didn't call them Christians or really even disciples, they called them people of the way. That was the nickname that the world gave people who followed Jesus. Uh, they called them people of the way or followers of the way because there was something about the way that these people lived that was just so radically different than everybody else. And so we've been looking at this idea that if we're gonna be people who follow Jesus, what is it that's about our lives that should look radically different than everybody else? So in week one, we talked about being people of surrender, and, and really, if we're going to follow Jesus, it begins with us bowing our knees to, to Jesus, that Jesus is not just a friend, he's not just a savior, come on, he's the king. And uh, when the king steps in the room, everybody says, have your way. And so it begins there. Then the next week, we talked about that we are uh, people of the spirit, that we are spirit-empowered, that Jesus was spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered. Everything that Jesus did was was his dependency on the Holy Spirit that allowed him to live the life that he lived and do the things that he did. The miracles that we see was because of his dependency on the Holy Spirit and that for all of us that as followers of Jesus, that if you try to do the work of God without the Spirit of God, you're gonna be exhausted uh, because you can't do it uh, on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. And then last week we looked at the way of Jesus' servanthood and we talked about the difference between uh, being people who want titles and people who want towels that we are called to serve, we're called to lay our lives down, we're called to, um, to pick up the towel and find ways that we can serve, that it's not about me. That's what we were reminded of last week. It's not about me. Now today, we're gonna be uh, looking at a thing, I'm, I'm calling today's message, people of sacrificial love. People of sacrificial love. I think if there's a theme that marks Jesus is that he was one of the most loving people uh, that ever walked the planet. Uh, every person that he came across, when they left his presence, they felt so loved. It didn't matter if they were committing adultery or if they were the most religious per people, everybody felt this incredible love that emanated from Jesus that of course came from his father. And so we wanna to look today is that what does it mean to have sacrificial love? And I'll kind of explain that a little bit. But we're gonna to go to Matthew chapter four. We're gonna go all the way back to the beginning. Um, I kind of shared a little bit of this story in week one um, about where Jesus called his disciples. But we're gonna look at that because I think it's gonna set up where we wanna to go today. So Matthew chapter four, uh, starting in verse 18 and 20 says this. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. 
throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, and he said to them, come, everybody help me, come. Follow me. Come follow me, and I'm, I'm going to show you how to fish for, for people. All right, and the next verse says, and they left their nets at once, and they followed him. When Jesus met the disciples, many of them, not all of them, but many of these guys, when he met them, uh, many of them were fishermen. Now, um, I don't know if I got any people in here that enjoy, how many enjoy fishing? Any, any people that just enjoy fishing? I love fishing. There's just something that's incredibly relaxing about fishing. Um, it's quiet. It's relaxing. You know, one of the things that I love the most about fishing, um, fishing, fish don't talk. Fish, fish just don't. I mean, you can go out there and you can literally not talk. Like, at all. And now, unless you're going with someone, of course, but if you're just going out there by yourself, like, it's just, it's quiet, it's serene, it's peaceful. And these guys that were fishermen, they, they would go out. The Bible says that they would go, they would go out early in the morning, and they would go out all night, and some of them still wouldn't catch anything. And you go, what were they doing? I think they were man napping. I think that's what they were doing. Come on, how many of you know men know how to nap? Okay, you just get out there, especially on a boat, man, just chilling on the water. I mean, it's just calm and peaceful. I've been actually at the Sea of Galilee. It's just this very calming, soothing place. And so you just got to think about these guys that just had a, a very uh, calm, reserved, quiet, for the most part, lifestyle, doing fishing, of course. It was laborsome in, in what they did, but it was just very, very tranquil. These guys would get up very early in the morning before anybody else. They would get into their boat. They would you know, go out into the water, sit for hours outside in the water. And then one day, as this verse starts, one day this man comes into their life and literally says two words that forever change their life. He says... Follow, follow me. And uh, these two words radically change their life. Now, um, the other day, I was with Judah, my, my second, we were at, at home, and uh, I needed to go do something. And so I said, hey, Judah, hop in the truck with me. <clears throat> and uh, the first question he asked is, why? And I said, what does every parent say? <laughs> y'all got that. Okay, all right. I don't have to train any of y'all on how this works, okay? Because I said so, all right? So we, so of course he, he hops in the truck. Question number two, what do you think the second question was? What, what? Where are we going? It's exactly right. All y'all know how this works. Okay, where are we going? To my response to him was, uh, none of your business. Uh, no, I'm joking. I didn't, I didn't do that at all. I told him where we were going and all that stuff. So he, he you know, he jumps in. First off, ask why. Second, second question is, where are we going? Okay. Now, we have a savior a king, a lord, who says, hey, follow me. If I'm the disciples, first question I'm asking, why? And second one, where are we going? Where are we going? And I think there's way too many people that say yes to Jesus and don't ask that question. Where are we going? Because here's what you've got to understand. Uh, Jesus is going to take you some places. And uh, by the way, he's not asking you. Just want to let you know that if you didn't realize that already, he's, he's going to do that. And if you're really serious about being followers of the way and people of the way, I think it's very, very important that we understand where is Jesus going? Because if you're truly going to be committed to Jesus, wherever he goes, you're going. Now, because there's going to come a point where Jesus is going to take you somewhere. 
and you're going to be like, this wasn't in the brochure. So it's important for us, by the way, it's important for us to be people of the Bible because that's kind of our written brochure that Jesus says, okay, you want to see what I'm really passionate about? You want to see where, where I love to go? Let's go. And so I want you to see this, okay? This happens. Jesus says, follow me. They leave their nets and they follow him. Where are we going? And now Jesus, the, the just a couple verses next, he goes and grabs a couple other disciples and then now he's got... He's got a handful of disciples, and now he's going to show them this is where we're going to pretty much be spending the rest of our time together for the next three years. Look with me in verse 23 now. So we were in verse 20. Now let's just jump three verses. So Jesus, watch this, traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Watch the next verse. And he healed every kind of disease and illness, and news about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began to bring to him all who were all who were sick. And the next verse says, and whatever their sickness or disease, or even if they were, or, or he healed them all. He healed them all. Now think about this just for a moment, okay? Jesus literally just took four fishermen from the sea of tranquility into the chaos of broken humanity. He, he brought them, they're traveling all around Galilee, and I can just imagine at some point, maybe a day or two in, he looks at them and he goes, welcome to ministry. <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw this in the uh, dotted line that was at the bottom, but uh, this is what we're, we are getting yourself into in this moment. And so in one moment, they're surrounded by tranquility, sea, and fish, and the next moment, they're surrounded by chaos. Think about this. At some moment, one of those disciples had to go, uh, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I signed up for the right thing here. Because think about this for a moment. They went from no fish talking to them to demon-possessed people running after them. How many of y'all are like, this is a little bit of a different scene? Sick people, diseased people, hurting people, weird people. Come on, how many of you know there were some weird people up in Galilee? Possessed people. I mean, all of these craziness now, they're, I mean, they, literally, their life was, was pretty calm, pretty tranquil. I mean, they're just fishing. It's no big deal. And here is Jesus brings them into this. And I'm sure at one point, one disciple says, this is a bad idea. Fish don't do this. And yet what we see is that the moment that these guys said yes to following Jesus was the moment that Jesus says, I'm in charge now where we're going. And you and I need to take note of this because I want you to understand something. This is where I'm going today. Following Jesus means that it will not be convenient. Following Jesus means it will not be comfortable. Following Jesus means that it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And these guys had to really count the costs because they laid down their jobs. They laid down their families. They laid down what they knew. They laid down peace. They laid down tranquility for them to go follow Jesus into the chaos of broken humanity. And Jesus goes, all right, here we go. You ready? And they're like, ready or not? We're in this thing. And so I, I want you to write this down, and, and that is that the way of Jesus is sacrificial love. The way of Jesus is sacrificial love. What Jesus is going to model to them for the next three years is that you gave your life to fishing for fish. I'm gonna show you how to give your life to fish for people. 
I'm gonna show you what it looks like for it to no longer really be just about you. I'm gonna show you what I wanna do through you. And one of the stories, the main story that we're gonna look at today is in Luke chapter 10. This is a story that most of us are probably all very familiar with. You probably don't even have to come to church to really know this story. But I'm going to introduce us into this story because I think this story uh, gives us kind of a template and a, and, a, um, and a framework to understand what does it mean to be people of sacrificial love. If Jesus was a man of sacrificial love, what does it mean for us to be people of sacrificial love? And we're going to look at a story that we would all call the story of the Good Samaritan. Most of us probably understand the story and know this story, but I don't know if many people understand how this story came about. This was a parable that Jesus shared, but it was in response to a question that was asked of him. And so I want to show you, we're going to start in verse 30, uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 30, says this, one day, notice here he is, another one day, we said one day earlier, now is another day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. How do I get to heaven? How do, how do, how do I not just die here? How do, how, do I, how do I get in relationship with God? What does this look like for me to have this kind of relationship that's eternal? And Jesus replied to him. I love how Jesus asks him, gives him the answer with a question. Y'all know people like that? You ask them a question, they ask you a question back, and you're like, you didn't answer the question. But they're trying to get you. I do this with my kids all the time. Uh, he's trying to get them to process through it. And so Jesus replies with him with another question. So he asks the question, how do I get eternal life? Jesus asks him the question, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Okay, tell me how you interpret the scriptures. And he says, well, the man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Ding, 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 ding. You got it, Jesus says. So guess what? Just go do this and you'll live. But that's not really the question that he's really asking because watch the next verse says, and the man wanted to justify his actions. And so he asked Jesus, and here's the big question. So who is my neighbor? Who is, who? What he's asking is this. This is what he's asking. Who do I have to love and who do I get a pass on not having to love? That's what he's asking. Who is my neighbor? So that way you can just kind of give me some parameters like this person, this person, this person. So that way, not so that I can love them well, so that I can just know who I don't have to do this to. And so now, based off of this question, Jesus is now going to share a story with him. And a lot of times Jesus would share these uh, stories. We call them parables. And they are parables that give us some biblical principles of what he says. And so uh, I'm going to give us four thoughts today on what it requires of us to live a sacrificial life based out of this story that he's going to share of the story of the Good Samaritan. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this first thought down. A sacrificial life requires open eyes open eyes. Jesus is going to try to get this uh, expert teacher, expert religious man to understand if you want to know who your neighbor is, first thing you got to do is you got to open your eyes. And so watch what we see here. It says, here begins the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. Okay. Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho 
All right, just so you know, that was uh, probably nine to ten miles, they believe, between Jerusalem and Jericho. It was about a 3,000-foot descent. So Jerusalem would be up at the top. You would have this nine to ten-mile trek that would go down to Jericho. Um, so this is what he's saying. So a, a, a Jewish man was up in Jerusalem, came down through to Jericho, got attacked. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they left him half dead beside the road. Here we go, verse 31. By chance, a who? A priest came along, okay? And when he he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. He crossed on the other side of the road and passed him by. Now let's just pause for a moment because we need to understand the characters that are kind of in the movie, all right? So you've got the Jewish man, and now the second character has now been introduced into the storyline. We have a priest. So you've got to imagine Jesus sharing this story to this very expert man of the law. So he would understand who a priest is. As he's hearing this story, he's like, oh, the priest, the priest is here. Now you need to understand something about the priest. The priest um, was very, very well versed in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, of course. They would have the first five books of the Bible memorized. We have a hard time with like two verses. <laughs> These guys would Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, memorized, okay? Memorized, verbatim. They, they would be able to know it. These guys were, of course, the men who should be the closest to God. These are the men who know the most about God. These are the men who would offer the sacrifices on behalf of the people to God. And so as soon as he says, and by chance a priest now shows up, you've got to imagine the guy hearing the story goes, Here's the hero. Here's the hero. Here's the guy that gets paid to help people. So here's the moment, right? And of course, we go on and read the story, and he says that he sees the man. He goes to the other side of, of, the, of the road, and he crosses the road. Now, you have to understand a couple other things that are playing out here. A priest would have been coming from, if it was a, a priest from Jericho, but he was going to Jerusalem, Probably what was happening is he was going to Jerusalem, many scholars believe, to get purified. You would go and go through this whole purifying ritual where you're purified, and then you would go back to your hometown, and then there you could offer uh, religious duties, religious services, because you're, you're pure. There was a law that said that there was this Jewish law that if you went, once you got purified, if you touched anything dead, you've got to go back and go through the seven-day process again. So think about this just for a moment. He sees the man half dead, okay? He's coming down from Jerusalem. He's, 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 he's purified now. And so now he's looking at the situation and going, I've got a choice to make. If I stop and help this man, it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me many days. It's going to cost me not being back. It's, a, it's, a, it's an inconvenience, is really what it is. It's an inconvenience. And so the priest, of course, chooses to go to the other side uh, to neglect the guy because he just knows this is gonna, this is gonna take a lot of time that I really don't wanna want. Now, let me put this into modern day translation. Okay, let me help all of us here. Any of y'all ever been to Walmart? You pull up on an aisle. You look down the aisle. You see somebody down the aisle that you know is a little extra. Come on, somebody in here. Let's take y'all's halos off right now, okay? Just for the moment. 
just someone that you know, when I walk down this aisle, it's going to cost me. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me energy. It's going to cost me maybe even some money. It's going to It's going to just... It's going to cost me when I see this person. And so you do what, you know, very spiritual, mature Christians and followers of Jesus do, and you go to the next aisle. <laughs> Probably even three more aisles just to make sure. And then if you're really, really spiritual, you're like, you know what? I really don't even need anything in Walmart anymore. <laughs> Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Let's, let's put this in modern day language right here for a moment here. Okay, before y'all get all mad at the priest, you do this often. Let me give you another scenario of how this plays out in modern day. Your phone rings. Oh, y'all already connecting with this one already. And the beauty of caller ID. Come on, how many, okay, you are before the living Lord right now in this moment. How many of you screen your calls? Raise your hand right now. Okay, all right. All right, put your hands down. How many of you have screened your pastors? No, I'm joking. Okay, don't tell, don't tell me that. Okay, so I would like to say that I don't either, but I do. You just, you, you're just kind of factoring in. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I really want to do this. Like, I'm late to this. I got to do this. And before we give the priest just way too much... Um, Grief, let's just ask ourselves how many times have we maybe done that in our life where we saw a situation where we probably could help, but we chose to go the opposite way knowing that it would either cost us too much, be inconvenienced, oh, just all the litany of other things. I could even say that there would maybe even, that might not have even been the reason. It might not have been a purification issue. It might have just been, he could just said, I'm just busy. I can't tell you how many times that I come across people and go, how you doing? And they just go, I'm just busy. And busy people don't stop for other people. You could come to a, 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 you know, a restaurant or to a grocery store or whatever and encounter someone that you know is really going through a really hard day. But because your life is so busy, you can't even stop and minister to them because you got to hurry up and get to the next thing. So we, 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 we go through all of these different things in our own life that we think through. And so I want to put us into the story here of what this looks like for us. And then, of course, he continues the story. And so the story continues, and he says, now there's a, a temple assistant. So now we got another kind of religious guy. Now the temple assistant, just, by, just so you know, was a, a JV priest. That's what he was. He did kind of all the things that the priests really didn't have time to do, and so uh, he was just kind of that JV guy that, that stepped in. He's, uh, how, how would I explain? He's like, he's like what mall cops are to cops, okay? Now, if you're mall, don't be offended in here. I'm just, I'm just saying. It's just a little bit different. Just didn't carry as much of a badge and authority like as the priest did, and so um, this was this was this. This guy here, he's a temple assistant, and, and so watch what he does. It says, so he walks over, and he, okay, this is huge here. It says, this is a whole part of this, is that if we're going to have sacrificial love, we've got to see people. We've got to have open eyes. These guys did see. They looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And, and a part of this is you've got to realize and. Um, because I've had the opportunity to be in Israel, I've been able to actually see a little bit of this. So Jerusalem does sit on a very um, 
very high plane. So like it, it looks down on everything. Um, and Jericho being the, the miles and miles to Jericho, I have to just imagine for a moment, because you have this ability to look and see miles down. I'm just curious, okay? This isn't biblical. We don't know if this is for certain. But I'm just curious if how far behind he was of the priest. I'm just curious if he got to see his mentor model to him what not to do. Because even if he was two or three miles behind him, he could have said, well, I know my priest passed him, and so, so he didn't, so I won't. Which just challenges me in so many, of, so many ways. First off is just to realize people are watching you. By the way, at home first. At home first. So, so our children are watching us. And I don't know if y'all have had this. I've had this countless times with my children. I see things in my children, and I want to get so upset at it. And Lindsay will look at me and go. Yeah. <laughs> Any of y'all know what I'm talking about right there? Okay, yeah. Like, like you look at it, and you want to get upset, but you're like, I made that. <laughs> and not in a proud, bragging way, like in kind of like a, I made that. Because your kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. Think about this priest has gotten up and talked about the love of God and how to love people for who knows how long. He's a priest. And so he's he's preached to his temple assistant what this looks like. And hopefully his temple assistant has lived in such a way that this is the case. And here it is. His priest had the moment to model this is what love looks like. And chooses to pass across on the other side and go. And so here, of course, the temple assistant comes and he does the exact same thing that he had just that bad example. And then verse 33, you get the good Samaritan. It says, then a despised Samaritan. Now, this is such a huge thing because if you don't understand the context of the day, you don't understand the context of how big of a deal this is that when Jesus inserts a Samaritan into the story because it was a Jewish man was the one that was beaten. It was a Jewish man that was half dead. Jews and Samaritans did not ever, ever be in relationship together. Nevertheless, help each other, anything of that nature. It was the most racially tense relationship you can imagine. I mean, take what we've experienced with kind of the black and white situations in our, in our country where that has been and, and up that to a whole nother level. Jews believe that Samaritans were half-breeds. Samaritans believe that Jews didn't really serve the, 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 the ultimate God that they did. So there's just this incredible tension. They hated one another. They killed one another. They committed acts of of crime against one another. I mean, it's just all this. And so can you imagine just for a moment, this expert religious person hearing this story, here's the priest, which would be his guy, passes by. Here's the temple assistant, which would be his guy, passes by. And then Jesus says, and then here came a despised Samaritan. And of course that guy's got to be like, well, that guy's a joke. So he's definitely going to be passing by. And he says, he came along, and when he, when he saw the man, he felt, he felt compassion for him. He, he saw the man. So here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. How do you see people? How do you see people? When, when you look at people, how do you see people? Do you see an addict? 
Do you, see, do you see a mistake? Do you see a color? Do you see a, a, a political stance? Do, do you see a, a person struggling with their sexual identity? Do, do you see, like how do you see people, do, do you label them based off of what they've done or what they're doing or what they stand for? Or do you see people as the image of God, the value of God? Are y'all with me? This is a question we've got to all ask ourselves within this because when you have the eyes of Jesus, you see people differently. Let me, let me share just a number of examples. The woman that was at the well that we see in John chapter four, the disciples saw a prostitute and Jesus saw an evangelist. Uh, Matthew, people saw a greedy tax collector. Jesus said, I want him on my team. Say, what? Peter and John, people saw uneducated common fishermen. Jesus saw future world changers that would plant churches. Lazarus, people saw a dead man. Jesus saw a testimony. The crowds, disciples saw problems when they looked at the crowds, and Jesus saw a harvest. This is why in John chapter four, Jesus says, look, uh, open up your eyes, lift up your eyes, and look to, the, look to the fields, for they are white with harvest. Now pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the field, for the harvest is plentiful, but the, but the laborers are few. Another, word, another way I've heard people say this is the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are in the pew. That God has called us to see people as he sees them. God, help us see people as you see them. Help us see our spouse as you see them, our kids as you see them, our coworkers as you see them, those that are our enemies as you see them, those that, that bring strife and issues and problems into our life as you see them. Let us see our city as you see them. See, you've got to understand that while you are on your way, God will put people in your way. All the time. And if you don't have eyes to see it, you'll miss the opportunities to realize God is putting people in your way because he wants you to be ministering to them, but you just see people in your way, so you go around those people when God says, I put that person there for that reason. There's a reason that that coworker is like spiritual sandpaper to you. God was like, here's a gift to you. And you're like, I don't like the gift. And he's like, they're making you more like Jesus. And you're like, they're making me more like the devil. And you're like, no, 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 the devil's coming out <laughs> because God's trying to get heaven in. God puts you in that workplace. God puts you in that relationship. God puts you by that neighbor. God puts you in these moments. And I, I just, God, give us eyes to see people as you see them. God, help us see our waiter and our waitress today when we go to lunch as you see them. God, help us to see the, the people that we come across because maybe they're not just in your way. Maybe as you're on your way, God's put them in your way for a reason. What is the person in your life right now that you're trying to avoid, that you're trying to get around, that God says, this person needs your time, this person needs your attention, this person needs your ear? Hey, let's, let us refuse to be a church that ever lets one person ever feel unloved, unseen, unvalued. Ever. Ever. You walk into this church and you see somebody sitting by themselves, I pray that that would be something inside of you to go, let me find out what's going on here. Hey, come sit with me. Hey, come be with me. We've got to have open eyes to see. If we don't have open eyes, we'll have, open, we'll have missed opportunities. They're happening all around you. The question is not, God, can you join what I'm doing? The question is, God, can I join what you're doing? So we've got to have open eyes. The second thing we've got to have, we're going to have sacrificial love. We've got to have open hearts. 
the issue with these guys was not that they didn't have open eyes. They saw. The issue is they didn't have open hearts. Their hearts were closed. Their hearts were, were, were um, well, let's look. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, what does he feel? Come on, let's say that word. He feels. Say it one more time. Compassion. Compassion. When you see as Jesus sees, you will feel as Jesus feels. And if your, heart has been hard, if your heart has been hard towards people, it's because you haven't seen people as Jesus sees them. When you see them as Jesus sees them, you'll feel as he feels. Now, I, don't get me wrong. Jesus gets heartbroken over things. Just as you as parents see things in your children, and it grieves you. It breaks your heart. These things break God's heart. They, they do this. This word compassion in the Greek literally means pity from the deepest part of your soul. It's one of the most expressed attributes of Jesus, of, or of God, in Scripture. God is a God of compassion. He's a compassionate God. He doesn't hold us to our sins. He forgets these things. He's a compassionate God. He's, he's slow to anger in what he does. He feels, he, he feels how we feel. The reason why we have a compassionate God, by the way, is because you don't have a Savior that doesn't know how you felt because he's been everything through you, what you've been through, so he feels what you feel. You've been rejected, he feels you. You've been despised, he feels you. You've been hurt, he feels you. You've been disappointed, he feels you. Are you with me today? So when you're like, I'm hurting, he goes, I feel you. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to be let down. I know what it's like to give your life to people and they don't take advantage or they take advantage of it. I know what it's like to love people and they stab you not in the front, but they stab you in the back. I know what it's like to, to try to help people and they don't say thank you. He goes, I know what that's like. I feel that. And this Samaritan of all the people, not the priest, not the temple assistant, it is the Samaritan, the despised Samaritan that looks at the man and goes, I feel this, not because he's a Jewish man, but because he's just a man. And I want to just help. And if I can help, I want to step in and he feels this deep compassion. Have y'all ever looked at something or looked at someone and it just, and you, you just said in your mind, that's just not right. You ever, ever had that? Like a situation happened, you go, that's just not right. You say this, somebody should do something about that. You know what that is? That is God telling you, do something about that. I have so many people come up to me, Pastor Josh, we need to start this. We need to start this. And I look at them and go, you got the burden, you got the blessing, go. <laughs> like, you don't need me to go help people. Like, I'll, I'll support you and I'll resource you. And if I can coach you up, I'll help you there. But listen, don't put that burden on me. That's your burden. God's given you a burden for certain things. Maybe it's burden for people that are, that are, I don't know. I'd create a bunch of scenarios, but you know what it's talking about. Like you look at just a situation, you look at something, maybe if it's the, the, the orphan crisis, maybe it's stuff that's going on around our world. Maybe it's for women, maybe it's for men, maybe it's for people in prison. Maybe it's for people battling with their sexual identity. Maybe it's people that have been divorced. Maybe it's people that are going through grief. And you just go, I know what that's like. Maybe it's someone who's struggling with addiction and you've come out of that and you go, I know what that's like. And I want to help. 
I don't want to be there. That's compassion. That's the ability. And I'm going to tell you if there's anything our culture and our nation is missing in this moment is compassion for people. We judge people. We criticize people. We put down people because they don't look like us or vote like us or talk like us or think like us. But you don't know them because you're not like them. You're not in them. Get in their shoes and realize what they've walked through and how they've walked through. You have no clue what they've been in life. Are y'all with me? Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you from the bottom of my heart, this is Jesus. Jesus would step into these moments when the, when the religious people would throw the, the adulterous woman into the, into the middle of the street and go, what are you going to do about her? And he steps down and ministers to her in the moment, everything that they think that he would not do because he felt compassion for her. Now, do we condone sin? Absolutely not. We stand up for righteousness. But just remember You once were a sinner as well, that there's sin that still resides inside of us, and I pray that it's met with the grace and the mercy of God, that there's compassion for me to walk through this, to get back up again, to go, this isn't going to define you. This is who you are. God gives you these divine burdens. Martin Luther King said this, I imagine that the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? I mean, that's a great question. But he says, but the good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Come on, how many know? That's a better question. If I ignore this, if I step aside, if I pass by, what's going to happen to him? What's going to happen to, to her? You know what burdens Jesus? People. Not in like a burden in regards to, oh, like that's a burden. But like this thing that's inside of them that, you know, when Jesus goes to bed at night, you know what he thinks about? People. When he wakes up, people. This is like you were to cut Jesus open, he would bleed people. Like this is what he does, the hurting and the broken and the outcast and the despised and the helpless and the confused. And I think our prayer should be, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. If it breaks your heart, break my heart for it. God, break my heart. So we've got to have soft hearts, open hearts. And I know, listen, you've probably been hurt by people. And now you're going to be like, Pastor Josh, I've got to open my heart to people? Yes. Because, first off, no one's been hurt more by people than Jesus. So before you get all like, you don't even know what I've been through. You weren't crucified. Last time I checked. Anybody in here? Okay. Okay. If you were crucified and raised the dead, please, we'll celebrate you next Sunday, okay? But last time I checked, no one's been hurt more than Jesus. No one. And and yet think about just the posture of his heart towards towards people. He didn't hold their sins against them. Now, listen, we, we can get into whole things about creating boundaries and all this so you don't continue to get hurt. I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff. But when you've been hurt by people, the strategy of the enemy, I want you to hear me very closely, is for you to close your heart to people. For you to get hard-hearted towards people. I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to help again. These people take advantage of me. I mean, listen, they might have, but not everybody does. And that is an incredible strategy of the enemy for people to hurt you and then for you to go, I'm out. I'm going to go back to fishing. These fish don't bite. Well, they maybe do, but... They at least don't talk back. Are y'all with me? 
We'll get into that actually next week when we talk about being people of the second chance. But today, God, just give us an open heart. Some of you in here, you know, because of pain that has happened in your life, whether it was someone in the family, whether it was a friend, whether it was a church, whether it was a pastor, whether it was a boss, that you've closed your heart and you know it. And I'm speaking to every one of you in the room that you know that. And I'm just begging you by the power of the Holy Spirit to a God, would you just soften an area that's been hard? Would you just soften an area of my heart that I know that I've gotten hard to? I've allowed offense and bitterness to grow a root in me. Would you just pull that out? Would you pull that out? Come on, how many say I received that today? I just received that. Okay. All right, number three, open hands. Open hands. Open eyes, open hearts, open hands. Verse 34 says, going over to the man now, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, and he bandaged them. Then he put the man on his, on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. Okay? Notice what the Samaritan didn't do. The, the Samaritan didn't do, I'll pray for you. The Samaritan didn't leave a, an Easter invite and go, I hope you can make it to church. Like, the Samaritan realized that God has not just called us to invite people into the kingdom. God has called us to be involved in people's life in the kingdom. It's easy to invite. It's a whole nother level when you get involved. I mean, you know, someone calls you and like, oh, blah, 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 and you're like, I'm praying. I'll just be praying for you. And they're like, I need more than prayer. Like, I, 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 need, I need some more than just, just, just a good prayer. Like, and so what Jesus is showing us through the despised Samaritans is you want to know what sacrificial love really looks like? <laughs> Let me show you what it looks like. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. You don't know what it looks like? It looks like rolling up your sleeves, getting sweaty, touching someone that you normally would be despised by. It means it's tough, it's hard. He had to pick this dude up. We don't know how big he was, okay? I don't know. I don't know if he's small like Pastor Stephen or if he was <laughs> swole like, like Denny. I don't know. So he's just, <laughs> we just know. With all the muscle that he has. <laughs> and so... That's, I know how that's how everybody took it. They both have a lot of muscles, just different. And so just think about them, like, just think about how inconvenient it is. Like, I had to get this guy up, half dead, bleeding everywhere. Wait, that's my good shirt. On his donkey. Well, what does he do? <laughs> I got to walk. So I'm sacrificing my comforts, my ease, so I can literally bring this guy to where he needs to be to get the help that he needs. I've got I've to roll up. I've got to get my hands dirty. I've got to get all in this stuff. I've got to go and stuff 9,000 eggs. <laughs> I've got to stay outside for eight hours and get this nice sun-kissed burn on the back of my head because I just want to love people. Just want to help other people. 
Listen, listen. The people who changed the world were not the most gifted. They were the most willing. I need everybody to listen to that. That's, that deserved more than one clap. Nope, too late. Too late. Okay, now you got to just ponder it, okay? But don't, listen to that statement. The people who changed the world were not the most gifted. They were the most willing. They were the most available. They were the most saying, hey, I'll do whatever I can do. I'll do whatever. It's, it goes back to the towel thing. I'll, I'll just do whatever I can do. Well, I, when I hear people go, well, I can't do that. No, 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 you don't want to do that. Because, because serving and helping people does not require a PhD. It does not require a lot of money. It doesn't require great looks. You know what it requires? An open heart and willing hands. That's it. That's it. So guess what? You want to be great? Just be willing. Just be available. I tell people this all the time. I am literally standing on this stage as the senior pastor of this church, not because I'm the most gifted. I just was the most willing. That's it. So I, I served in kids, and I served in youth, and I cleaned this church for years, and I mowed that grass, and I helped with kids, and I did worship. Why? Not because I was the most gifted. I was just the most willing. So I just told Pastor Bubba, wherever you need me, you got me. I'm just here. I'm committed. I'm loyal. Use me. Abuse me. I'm here. I'm a part of this. This is what, however I can be a blessing to you, this is what I want to be. I want to be a blessing to people. And God will take that. Listen, God will take that towel and he will give titles. But people want titles, but they don't want towels. They don't want to do the small things. They don't want to help in the small things. They don't want to go and do that. That's above me. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm telling you right now, if you want to be used by God, just say yes. Just it. Just say yes. God, I'm in. Yes, whatever it is. That's with her, that's with her, whatever that is, God, I just say yes, yes, yes. Everybody wants to be in ministry in some regards, but I'm like, ministry is work, ministry is sweat, ministry is inconvenienced, ministry is pain, ministry is hard, ministry is tears, ministry is all of these things that are there, and nobody gets it. Because they think it's just, you know, I just, wanna, I just wanna preach to people and they just get saved and it's just, that's it. Like, you're, you just walked into the broken humanity. You just walked into people's addictions and people's divorces and people's debts and people's dysfunctions and people's demons and people's, and you're like, welcome to ministry. And this is what Jesus was trying to model to these disciples. Listen, it's not easy, but it's worth it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's worth every moment because, God, I, I want to have open eyes, and, God, I want to I have an open heart, and, God, I want to have open hands. And I'm going to tell you the last one. Here's the last one. We're done. <laughs> are, are you ready? Because I'm going to just go ahead and just tell you this one. This one's probably the hardest, which, by the way, you don't get to this one if you don't get the other three, especially the first two. All right? It's an open wallet. Watch. Watch. Let me just let the Bible preach. Verse 35. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins and he told him, hey, what does he say? Take Take care of this man. And oh, by the way, if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I'll pay you the next time I'm here. 
If he uses his own money and his own resources to help an enemy. This ain't like his best friend, like his BFF. I get that. You know, it's not his son. It's not his, like, this is a person who despised him. And he says, hey, listen, I, you know what? Here, get, just, just take care of him. Many scholars believe this was probably at least three weeks to a month's worth of wages um, that he gave for this man. If you want to evaluate your walk with Jesus, here's a question. How much of my resources and my time is poured out for others? Many of us build wealth so we can build comfort. And there's nothing wrong with having things, by all means, listen to me. I, I pray you have things and you enjoy what you have. You worked very hard for it. I get it. I understand it. But I just want you to also realize that the wealth that God has given you is not just for you. It's meant to be a blessing. I tell this to my wife all the time uh, and, and my boys. Listen, everything God's given us is for us to be a blessing. The house we have is a blessing. The pool we have is a blessing. The vehicles we have is a blessing. The money that we have is to be a blessing. So if God says, I want it, it's already his. The problem is, is when we think that it's ours and God starts asking for something that's mine. By the way, he gave it to me in the first place. So if he wants it, by the way, if he wanted to take it all, he could. So this isn't about a tithe thing. This is about a lifestyle of generosity that says, listen, everything that I've been entrusted with that God, you've given me, God, it's open-handed. Not only do I have open eyes and and open hearts and open hands, but God, I, I have an open wallet. And the Bible says, listen, this is Bible. This is Bible. Wherever your treasure is, you're gonna find your your heart. That's where your heart is. So if you wanna know where your heart is, just go look at your checking account. It'll tell you. You're like, well, my, my heart must be at Walmart. Okay, well, maybe so. I don't know. You know what the sad thing is? More people give their money to AT&T than they do to church. <laughs> Shows where our heart is. And I'm not saying that because we need money. I'm just, we're in a really great place financially. We have some incredible people that give here. I'm not doing this because I want something from you. I do not. I'm doing this because I want something for you. Because watch this, watch this. His generosity is now still being shared 2,000 years later. See, because what you do for yourself dies with you. What you do for others lives on for eternity. Are y'all with me? This is what God's called us to. This is, this is why we as a church tithe off of your tithe. Because I tell our team all the time, listen, we're going we're gonna to give just as much as we're asking people to give. And God calls us to give. We're going we're gonna to give that. We're going to give internationally. We're going to give nationally. We're going to give. This is what we're going to do. This, this is just the heart of this house. I'm going to tell you right now, generosity is the heart of this house. I tell our staff this all the time. Generosity is our privilege. Always there on the side of generosity. But what if they take advantage of it? Oh, well, they took advantage of Jesus. If they need it, give it. Yesterday, the mamas with all that candy. I'm like, mm. I'm like, okay, all right, Lord, I'm being generous here. We're just going to give it. Just going to give it. We're going to give it. Because God just called us to have this heart of generosity. And look at verse 36. He says this. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandit? Was it the priest? Was it the temple assistant? Was Was the Samaritan? And the man replies to him, the one who showed him mercy. Notice. Notice, 
He won't even say the guy's name. He won't even say the Samaritan. He can't even get himself to even go to that. He says, yeah, the, uh, that one who, uh, who showed mercy, yeah, that, that dude. And so Jesus now says to him, hey, go be like the Samaritan. Was, can you imagine the insult of what that was like? Go be like the Samaritan. Go, go do the same. Go do the same. See, what Jesus is trying to get this person to understand is a very huge part of this whole story. Because I think often what we do is we put ourselves in the shoes of the good Samaritan. So, and we want to be much like the good Samaritan. And there's nothing wrong with us doing that. But what if the person that we most identify with is not the priest and it's not the temple assistant and it's not even the good Samaritan? What if we identify with the bloody man that's half dead on the road? I mean, no, before Jesus, that's all of us. That's all of us. We're the bloody man that's on the side of the road. And the good Samaritan, by the way, by the, by, is named Jesus, who sacrificially loved us and poured out his own resources for us. And he saved us. And he got down. And he got, he got all messy. And he took on our sin. And he did all this stuff. This is the story of this, really. It's about the good Samaritan is Jesus. And we're the one that... that due to whatever happened in life is on the side of the road half dead, not knowing what to do, cannot save ourselves. And our good Samaritan, Jesus Christ, steps onto the scene and says, I got this, I'll get in this. He had open eyes, he saw me where I was, he had an open heart, he accepted me for what I was, he had open hands, he helped me for where I was, and then he had an open wallet and gave his life as a ransom for you and I. This is the Christ that we serve. And so we model this mission of a good Samaritan, Jesus, because he's the one who pursued us down, this, down to death. He's the one that stopped and helped us when we were helpless. So my last point is this. So because of all that, we love sacrificially because we've been given sacrificial love. We've been given sacrificial love. Why we can be like the good Samaritan is because the good Samaritan has been good to us. Y'all with me? That's our, that's our prayer. So would you bow your heads in this place? And I want to speak to those that are in this room. And, and, and if you're here, we've been talking about this. Open eyes, open hearts, open hands, open wallets. Would you just right now just ask, Holy Spirit, which one are you going after right now? Which one are you going after in, in, in my life right now? Maybe your life's just been so busy that you've been, you haven't been able to see anybody else. And when you're more preoccupied with, with your things, it's hard to see other people. So maybe it's just, God, help me in this area. God, give me some margin. God, help me to, help me to see people as you see them. Maybe the way you've seen people is, is looked, you've looked down on them. You've defined them by what they've done or who they profess to be. Or Say, God, help me to see people as you see them. Maybe you're in this room and you, you're honest. You've, you've had some hard heart. There's an area of your heart that has been hardened. Maybe it's been your own doing, actions and decisions that you've made, and you become callous to that, and the Holy Spirit has you here. Maybe you're watching online right now, and the Holy Spirit, he's been, he's been wooing you. He's been drawing you. He's been pouring this oil that is softening the areas of your heart, and maybe for you, it's, it's forgiveness. God, I, I need to forgive somebody. Maybe it's, God, I, I, 
I need to recognize that that was a pain in my life and I need to grieve that properly. Maybe it's a decision that I've made and I need to receive your forgiveness today. Open hands. Maybe you, you, you're, if you're honest, you're like, I, I just don't want to get into the, I don't want to get into it. I, I, I don't want to sweat. I don't, I don't want to do the work. I, if I'm being honest, I, I kind of like just coming here and hearing a great message and then going back and doing my own thing. And I, I really don't want to be a one who lives by the towel, steps in and offers to, to help and get into the middle of the, of the pain and the grief and the heartache. And then lastly, maybe it's open wallet. Maybe you've been greedy. Maybe everything that has really just been about you. And one of the ways that God is unlocking your heart is he's unlocking your wallet. And today you go, God, I wanna just be generous. And not only just in money, but God, I wanna be generous with my time. I wanna be generous with my words. God, I wanna be generous with my gifts and my talents. I wanna be generous with my possessions. But today we recognize that we sacrificially love because we've been sacrificially loved. And so today we just declare thank you. Jesus, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for, for, for coming and, and being our good Samaritan. You were the one who stepped down from perfection to enter into our brokenness. God, you saw us half dead on the side of the road. And God, you came in and you rescued us and you forgave us and you wiped us clean and you paid our debts. And God, you gave your life for us. And so, God, we just declare thank you for that. We surrender our life to you. God, we thank you that our sin, that if we look to it, just brings grief and shame. But God, as we, we give our sins to you, as you took them on the cross, Lord, you, you've paid for them. And we thank you for the, the payment that you paid for us. On this Palm Sunday, as we celebrate, God, this whole week of you going to the cross because you loved us so much, the greatest display of sacrificial love was hung on a cross. You loved us enough. So God, we, we, we just declare how much we now love you because you first loved us. And so Lord, we repent. If there's those of you that are in this room right now, would you just say, Lord, I repent, and then just say what it is. Just what it is, whatever that is right now before the Lord. God, I repent of this attitude. God, I repent of this posture. God, I repent of what I've said this week. God, I repent of that. And the Bible says that, that where there is confession, there's healing. Where there's confession, there's cleansing, there's righteousness. And so Father, right now, we just thank you for your healing. We thank you for your cleansing. We thank you for your forgiveness. We receive all that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. amen.